What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. And this is a very special Thursday edition, not your average Thursday. We have a fellow, not only just Canadian, but Italian-Canadian coming onto the pod today, Mr. Frank Amarante from the game day. You guys can hit him up on Twitter at FAmaranteTFJ. That's A-M-M-I-R-A-N-T-E for those of you non-Italians out there. Frank, thank you so much for doing this, man. really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be on the show, especially of uh, one fellow Italian-Canadian, you know, so Forza Italia. Forza Azuri, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's too bad we were doing this uh, in the middle of an Alec Manoa start. It's just unfortunate, but we'll try and and get through this, get back to watching the Jays and the Red Sox. How are you doing, (laughs) man? How are you doing today? You doing well? Oh, yeah, doing well, you know, uh, getting ready for Canada Day weekend here. Fun time, summer's here, uh, baseball season's rolling, and uh, everything's great. Yeah, your trucks, oh, not too bad, not too bad. I know you're starting to transition uh, a little bit into football now, so I appreciate uh, picking your brain on the baseball side. You're still putting out those bets every single day, and in the green, far more often than the red. You've been on a hot streak. It's it's been on fire. I've even surprised me. I didn't think it'd be doing this good, so... Yeah, I saw yesterday uh, the Trevor Story home run pick. That was that was great, man. Good job. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so we're going to be talking today, mixed bag, a little bit of Blue Jay stuff, some betting stuff, uh, just in general, some fantasy and baseball stuff. The first question I'll ask you is, what do you expect from Vinny P? We'll start with an Italian. We might as well start with an Italian here. What do you expect from Vinny going forward? Do you think he'll have value that's like 10-team, 12-team? Do you think he'll need a year to really get adjusted? Uh, what, what do you see from him? Well, I think with uh, Pasquantino, you look at his minor league numbers this year, slashing 280, 372, 576 with 18 homers and only 296 plate appearances. And you dig even further, you see the walk rate is nice, 12.5%. He's not striking out much, 12.2%. So you love to see that with a power hitter. And he consistently kept that strikeout rate down throughout his tenure in the minors. I think he's just really MLB ready, being that he's 24 years old. There's room for him to hit in the heart of that Royals lineup. Uh, In his two games, he's hit fifth and sixth so far. And then, you know, he can move up, especially once they trade some of their vets like Andrew Benatendi, like their rumor too. And so I think it's a case where you just add now and and don't even question it. Just see where it takes you, even in 10-team leagues. Just because that he's, you know, he's pro-ready. This isn't some raw prospect. There was nothing left for him to prove in the minors. Um, you love the power upside. And you could think back, like, uh, think about Reese Hoskins back in 2017 when he came up. He just mashed right away 18 home runs in 212 plate appearances. Obviously, that's not like the median projection for Vinny P, but that's sort of the ceiling that we can see. So you never know. You got to just see what happens. And I think the floor is there because in my opinion, if, even if he struggles, I think they'll just let him play through it. It's not like they'll send him back down. They're a rebuilding team. They just traded Carlos Santana to open up room for him. So I think he'll get every opportunity to thrive, and, and I'm interested. So you, you think, I mean, I know we're going to be adding him in all formats. In terms of the actual value that he'll provide, do you think that this year he'll be somewhere in that top kind of top 100 or so? Like, where, where do you think that he'll do? Do you think? I'm I'm stumbling over my words a little bit here, but do you think that he will have like proper value this year or do you think he'll be more of an ad because of the name? 
I think he'll end up being a solid value. I think we see an advanced hitter here. I think he could be a top ten in the top 100. And probably if we rank first baseman, I think he could be top 15. That seems pretty conservative. Definitely someone who could help you down the stretch, especially if you need power. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think the only thing that might hold him back a little bit is that first base is a bit of a deep position. Yeah. There, there are some guys who I think like Christian Walker, who should be rostered in a lot more leagues that aren't just because of how deep the position is. That would be the one thing if he was second base or anywhere else, I think that it would be even more. Like we would have seen it like with O'Neill Cruz, where he just gets scooped up in like 80% of leagues. I think we've seen it maybe 40 or something percent of leagues have scooped up uh, Vinny P. And I think that's, and that's talking about like Yahoo and ESPN. We're not talking about like NFDC leagues there. But in just your general leagues, he's he's not being added quite as much as you might have expected, and I think that's just because of his eligibility. I think, any, like I said, anywhere else he would have been scooped up everywhere. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree. It's it, it obviously would be nicer if you had third base eligibility, but you know, just you got to take your shot here. Like, let's say between him and someone like Brandon Belt, who would you prefer? Oh, you you got to go with the upside for Vinny P there, Belt. I, I like he's, a little, he's a little past it at this point, I think. A couple of years ago, it might have been a different story. But at this point, yeah. I think you've you got to take the chance on the upside there. Agreed. I agree. Like, I like what the Royals have in the, in the works. Uh, one other guy, we'll might as well pivot to this question. Uh, so this season, Bobby Witt was being drafted quite a bit higher than Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I think if we're looking at NFBC leagues, it was about 52 or 53 was Witt's ADP. And then Julio was down around 130, 140. Do you think next year we're going to see both of these guys go top first couple of rounds? And, and if so, which one do you think you would draft higher next season? Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to see these two really pushed up next year. Probably both, probably Julio in the first round and Witt more likely in the second. But hey, he could get to the first as well. I just, uh, part of why. Julio uh, went a little bit later than Witt was just because it was late when it was known that he'll be starting with the big league team. And once it was known, once that was confirmed, he really shot up the board and I think he still went sixth round. And part, part of that also was because people looked at Witt as the more advanced prospect, even though he might not be the better one of the two. He's, he's seemed to be more MLB ready, but Julio Rodriguez has addressed those concerns. Look what he's done especially after a, a slow month of April, 131 WRC plus. He shows that despite having some issues with strikeouts, he's, he's, he belongs and he is really running wild on the base pass. 19 steals already. He's showing power. He's only 21. I know he plays outfield and wit is more of at a premium position, but I'm still going to lean Julio here. He's a year younger. Um, he showed a little bit more as a hitter, but I, I wouldn't really argue someone who sided with Witt just because he's doing well in his own right. And he also got off to a slow start and he's turned it around. He's got 11 homers and 12 steals and 295 plate appearances, 108 WRC plus. He's a stud in his own right. They're definitely both going to go in the top two rounds, I would say. I, I, I completely agree. I think I might lean Julio uh, going forward just because right now the lineup around him is a little bit better. I think there's more promise in Kansas City with Melendez and with Pasquantino and whoever else they're going to bring in over time. But like uh, for next year, I think, like you said, Julio will probably be somewhere, I think, in the turn of the first round between pick 10 and 15, most likely. 
I think the state of baseball is in a really good spot, though, going forward with these young guys coming up. Rutschman, uh, it's like we just had a great class of players come in these last couple of years with Soto and Acuna and Vladdy Jr. And now it's like we're getting another class of young studs, and it's only been two or three years. It's If they market it properly, it's a massive opportunity for baseball, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to love the influx of young talent. And it's like we're seeing them thrive right away. It's not, it's not as – I don't know – this may just from the top of my head thinking usually a lot of these top prospects would take a little more time than this at least, but they're just right away producing. We've seen it to Tease, Acuna, Soto, Vlad, well, Vlad Jr. took a year, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's especially nice to have these young hitters like this that are so great with fantasy as well with how much they've been running on the base paths. Yeah. These five category contributors that have, like right away, like you said, I, there was some struggle in April, but they've come up and right across the board, they're both like top 50 players to this point in the season. And I think for Seattle fans with the way Jared Kalanick has struggled, they really needed that one with Julio to come up and just be a, a, a fantasy ready and a major league ready player right away. After what, they, after what they've been through over there. Uh, let's move on a little bit now. Let's talk a, a little bit of betting. Uh, AL and NL MVP. So right now the favorites uh, by quite a quite a large margin are Aaron Judge and Paul Goldschmidt. Do you see room in that race for anybody else on either side? Maybe Shohei Otani or Manny Machado, someone like that? For sure. So we'll start with the AL MVP. Like you said, Judge is the heavy favorite. Otani is at plus 350. Judge is at minus 115. I think right now is a great time to to buy into Otani because if we look at how much he's thriving on the mound, he's doing much better as a pitcher than he did last year. And his hitting hasn't really caught up yet. Like he's been good, but he, I think we both know that he has another level there. And if his bat starts to heat up like it did last year, this is a great value at 3.5 to one, just because Aaron judge for him to really keep this lead he has to just continue at his absurd pace. Like you got to think at some point he's going to slow down. He's on a 60 plus home run pace. So there could be room for, you know, Otani to get back in this race. And we think about war, like because Otani thrives as a hitter and pitcher, he's going to really have a high wins above replacement. We look at judge right now. He's at 3.9 war, which is tied for fourth in MLB. Otani's 3.6 and that's eight. So imagine if his bat gets going, he's likely going to at some point will overtake judge. So I think that's who I'd be targeting right now. You look down the list. uh, I included Mike Trout as well. He's got 3.9 war tied with judge, but I think he's at six to one. I'd rather go with Otani. I think he has a better chance and coming into the year as my long shot for the AL MVP. I went with Buxton just because going back to the wins above replacement, because he's so good defensively, if his bat is even above average, that wins above replacement is going to be really high. And I know he's missed some time. I'm still willing to do a little sprinkle on him. He's at 60 to one. Now his war is 2.7, despite the fact that he's missed time and he's had like some ups and downs. So what if he gets hot again? You know, he can, obviously it's a long shot that's reflected in the price, but you can take a shot on it. I think. Yeah, I, I think that as long as he stays healthy, that power alone, I mean, he's not stealing bases anymore, but that doesn't matter so much in terms of MVP. Looking at it more fantasy-wise, it kind of sucks. But if you look, talk, just talking about the MVP, I think I saw something the other day 
over his last 162 games, he has 50 or 52 home runs. He's got that kind of elite power that Judge and Guerrero and those types have, like Pete Alonso, same kind of same kind of power range. It just isn't really as recognized. I think he's a skinnier guy, so people don't really expect it if they don't if they don't look into it. And yeah. he's he's not healthy enough that you can really see it on the TV that often that you'd say, oh, Buxton is a great power hitter. I think it's kind of flies under the radar. So I, I agree there. It'd be nice to see him stay healthy for a little bit longer. Uh, hopefully, sure. fingers crossed there. Uh, what do you think about the National League? you think this is going to be Paul Goldschmidt's year? So I would, I, I had been saying, because my one of my buddies has been talking shit to us saying, because he, he took, he made a bet before the season. And then I was like, no, I don't think so. It's because he plays first base. You know, it's tough. He'd really have to have a massive offensive season because the d- defensive contributions aren't really there. And he's ended up turning out right so far. He's a heavy favorite now at Caesars. He's plus 100. Second is Machado at plus 400. But the thing with Goldschmidt that works in his favor here is that, you know, Mookie Betts was having a huge season. Now he's out long-term. Bryce Harper is always a contender. Now he's out long-term. Manny Machado's banged up. So it's like the pieces are getting, are aligning for Goldschmidt to really win. But my reservation here goes back to what I said with Judge is that he's got to really continue this absurd pace offensively just because playing first base and, you know, not being that defensive stud to bump up your war, it won't, like, if the offense slows down, he's going to get overtaken by others in the NL. And right now his war is at 4.1, and Machado has more, 4.3. So it could easily come down to Machado but as the one who, who challenges him, but I think I'm going to stick with Goldschmidt even despite the fact that He'd have to sustain this pace just because, like I said, his his main competition is getting injured right now. Yeah, there were a lot of years, or at least a few years there in Arizona, where it looked like he probably could, at least could have been the MVP. I think he was second in voting a couple of times. Do you think that the voters try and think about things like that? Like he was, he or he deserved one a few years ago, and maybe I don't know. So the kind of thing I was thinking about with Vladimir Guerrero coming into the season, not so much now, but thinking that he was kind of owed last year and they I thought they were going to try and maybe make up for it this year if they could if he's in that same kind of same kind of range do you think the voters actually look at it like that I think so I think we see sometimes some sort of voter fatigue when it's the same guy like Otani won last year so they might be like okay he got it now judge you know judge is tearing it up he's on the best team in baseball he's the best hitter on that team they might lean towards that direction just because Otani won it last year. So I definitely agree with you there. And going back to Goldschmidt, that could def- absolutely play a factor. Uh, the fact that he was so close previously in his career, now they could throw him a bone and give him this time around. And yeah, so I definitely agree with you there. Are there any dark horses in the National League who are maybe long shots that you'd be looking to invest a few bucks in? Yeah, so not to the same extent as Buxton in that he was 60-1 to 1 on Caesars, but I went with a 10-1 to 1 choice in Trey Turner just because Mookie Betts is now injured, so he's going to have to pick up the slack, and maybe if he just catches fire, uh, he can sort of bring himself in the race. Right now he's been worth three wins above replacement, tied for 13. That's 1.1 less than Goldschmidt. He could get right back in there. But one who I would definitely not take, he's really inflated right now, is Pete Alonso at plus 400, which is too close to where Goldschmidt is. Like I said, I like to really look at war just because the voters are going to look at that. That's a yeah. huge stat to consider. 
And goal, if you look at Alonzo's war, it's 2.3. That's less than Turner. That's, that's two wins above replacement, fewer than Machado. So he's just, I think, overvalued just because he plays in New York. Even though he's having a great year, it's just that someone who doesn't really impact the defensive side of the ball really needs to go off offensively. Yeah, I agree with you there. And if you're comparing him with Goldschmidt, another first baseman, Goldschmidt is, is a better defensive first baseman. And he's having, I mean, he's yeah. batting what three, he's batting what 350 this year, Goldschmidt. So I agree there. He is, he's the likely choice. And I do think that that will come into effect. It was 2015, I believe he was second in MVP voting. And with Aaron Judge, I think if you look at the year he lost to Altuve, a lot of people thought he should have won. I think it was 2017, especially with everything that's happened with uh, the Astros in the years since. I think people think it should have been Aaron Judge. So that might be something that plays a factor as well here. That's a good point. That's a good point, too. I could, yeah, that makes tons of sense. I could see it. I did sprinkle Tani just because, like, I, the reasons I mentioned earlier. But, yeah, it's probably going to be Judge. But... When you make these futures picks, you're not going to really take the heavy favorite at the time because you tie up your money for all these months. You you want to get, you know, more of a reward than just minus 115 odds on Judge. The time to get Judge was before the season or before the market adjusted to how huge of a year he was having. The time is not now. It's too late. Yeah, it's not it's not so much fun putting a, a bet on a negative odds in terms of futures. You know, it's... You, yeah. you, you try and put a few bucks on the long shot so it's a little more uh, entertaining. Let's talk a couple of Blue Jays questions here. I want to talk a little bit about Jose Barrios. <sighs> I feel like I feel obliged to talk about him, but it's it's a rough subject. Do you think that he will turn it around at some point? I know a lot of people smarter than I am who think he will, but I want to get your take on it. So coming into the year, I was really high on him. Uh, I always liked him as a pitcher, and I thought coming to Toronto and working with Pete Walker, who's been a great pitching coach helping get more value out of numerous pitchers including Robbie Ray last year I thought you know he could unlock more in Barrios's game but it hasn't been the case so far I think with me I've been really patient with him and deferring to his track record because he's he's had a few he hasn't been an ace but he's been he's had several seasons you know as a competent solid innings eater with you know a decent whip decent K rate so I, I still think he could turn it around. I'm not going to drop him like others may think. Uh, I'm advised to. But uh, it's getting harder, especially. It, it looked like he was trying to turn the corner with those couple starts, and then he just got in rocked in consecutive outings. So it kind of went back to where he was. It's It's hard to remain optimistic. I still do. But it's getting a lot more challenging. If we look at his stats, you know, his K rate is 18.8%. That's down about 7% from last year. His zone contact is at 90.5%, which is an increase of 5% from last year. And it just shows that that hitters are just mashing his pitches right in the zone. Um, if we look at his XFIP, it's 4.37, a lot lower than his 5.86 ERA. That doesn't mean, like, He's guaranteed to turn it around, but at least, hey, we're trying to dig. We're Jays fans at heart. We're trying to dig in for something to give us some semblance of hope. So that's one of them. To be honest, I think he'll turn around and be a solid mid-rotation type. But, yeah, like I said, the, the patience is wearing thin. One thing that I can't really wrap my head around Roger Center is known as more of a hitter-friendly park. It's not like Coors Field, but it's still hit, more hitter-friendly. 
Uh, his home and away split. So at home, his ERA is 3.18. On the road, it's 7.92. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, the discrepancy there. I guess for the time being, you kind of have to sit him for away starts and start him at home. I, I don't know, maybe the crowd riles him up at the Rogers Center. Hard to explain that big of a discrepancy there, especially when, like I said, Rogers Center is more of a hitter-friendly place. I can't can't really wrap my head around him so far. Yeah, yeah, I think that just goes. That's about comfort and being at home. And some sometimes even these pitchers that are in these hitters' parks, they still do better at home and on the road. But also could be partly because um, his last two outings were both on the road: White Sox and Brewers, and he just got shellacked. So yeah, that inflates I, it too. But yeah, it does. I I do hear what you're saying. It, it's strange to see those types of splits. Yeah, I mean, some discrepancy is expected, but I mean, like five earned runs there. That, that have to hope that it'll turn around. But like, you know, like you said, not 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 overly optimistic right now. Anyway, let's right. maybe talk about a happier subject. Let's talk about our catcher uh, quote unquote dilemma here. With I mean, we have three viable major league catchers right now. Most teams would would love to have just one of them. But let's focus on Kirk and Moreno because they are the two high flyers. I love both of these guys. I have no idea which one is going to have a better career, but I wanted to ask you which one, if you had to choose one of them and the Jays had to get rid of the other and you just could choose one to have forever, would you choose Kirk or Moreno? I got to go with Alejandro Kirk. He was, he was my guy coming into the season. I loved like his advanced approach at the plate, his low K rate, his high walk rate. Like He's a catcher and he's walking more than he's striking out and his strikeout rate is below 10% and he's only 23 years old. This this guy is not just one of the best hitting catchers. He might be an elite hitter in this league. Like he is everything he's doing. It's just unreal. Even I didn't think he'd break out to this extent. Like his 167 WRC plus. That's that's unreal. I think uh, you know you live with any defensive shortcomings or uh, with Kirk that that may come with this elite bat because he just hits so well. I know Marino. Um, has a lot of offensive upside as well, but I don't think he has the same offensive upside. Definitely has more, definitely is better defensively, but, you know, Kirk is really young too. I know where everyone gets enamored with the flashy uh, hot top prospect, but I think Marino is only one year older. I mean, younger, one year younger. So it's not like Kirk is so much, you know, older than him. But I think what we, the Jays should do is, is keep both and then, you know, um, split the catching duties. And when Kirk doesn't, he'll DH here and there and work it that way and try to package Danny Jansen. Even though he's solid, he just, the other two are are too good, really. I think you got to keep both of those. But then on the other hand, you might say, well, Marino would have more trade value than you could really bolster that rotation uh, with another arm, so it is a, definitely a dilemma. But one thing I just want is that they that they use this surplus to address another need. You can't just sit on it. It's win now time. You have to. Yeah, we we love all these players, but it is what it is. You have to deal from a position of strength to address an area of weakness. So I really hope they trade one, and definitely not Kirk. They have to keep Kirk, obviously, with how he's playing. So it would have to be Marino or Jansen. But to sum it up, I think Kirk will have a better career. I, I would tend to agree. I mean, the last month, the only player who's been hotter has been Jordan Alvarez, who, who actually got hurt today. I hope he's all right. But he's been the only player who's been hotter than Kirk. I, I think I agree with you. I, I think there's, there's 
a possibility that they just keep both of them. And they have them just platoon, like you said. Like we all know, Kirk is not the greatest defensive catcher. Can't really stick him anywhere else in the field because he's about five feet tall. So he kind of has to be either catching or DHing. I think that they might just stick with the tandem of, for now and maybe deal uh, one of their prospects in the minors, like Aurelius Martinez or uh, Ricky Tideman, I think his name is, the, the uh, pitching prospect in single A. If they're going to try and bolster the, the rotation I, or anywhere, I don't really think that they're going to move on. I could be wrong. I just feel like they're going to see what they have here a little bit longer, at least with Moreno. I mean, Kirk, they kind of know what they have. And I don't I, earlier in the year, I thought he might be a trade bait kind of guy, but I don't think they're going to move him now. Moreno, I know that they really like. I know that he's getting along with the other guys on the team. He's quick. He's very fast for a catcher, which I really appreciate, especially from a fantasy standpoint. I think that they probably end up keeping both and trading Danny Jansen. I think that's the most likely outcome. But I have also heard it talked about and seen it recently that the, the pitchers on our team like throwing to Danny Jansen, and we've seen uh, some struggles out of the rotation since right. he went down. Not with not so much with Gosman and Manoa, but with the other guys uh, that they really have a, a relationship with Danny Jansen. Oh, that's a good point. That that might you know this might be that that fact might push them trading one of the catchers to the off season more in season. I think Moreno would be the likeliest if we're going to trade one of them today or at the True. deadline. Uh, but. I agree with you. Alejandro Kirk, uh, he has the potential to be a batting champion with the way that he doesn't strike out. Like, like you said, less than 10%. Uh, he's like a, he's like a Jose Ramirez almost. He's like a, a little version. Yeah. Of I thought of that too. Yeah. Cause he's short and he, he just walks more than he strikes out as a lead plate discipline. I was just thinking that the other day. If only, uh, if only Kirk was a switch hitter. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah. But I wanted to say one thing. Let's, let's say, drafts for next season are happening now where do you think kirk would go among catchers oh i think he'd be the first one taken probably yeah. Uh, I think so. yeah i don't think there's anybody else you could really even make an argument for a legitimate case for i mean there might be some salvador perez truthers out there who think that he'll come back but tyler yeah. stevenson is good high average low power kind of guy uh, but there's no one with the upside that he has power wise and average wise behind the plate i think that he's got to be the first catcher taken and i think probably somewhere in the third round next year as of right now yeah i agree totally agree especially in nfbc in those two catcher formats he's going to get pushed up uh for sure yeah do you play a lot of nfbc yeah i started playing more and more about it it's definitely challenging uh when you're coming from like for all my years playing fantasy baseball, would mostly be on Yahoo and home leagues, and so it's a total, it's a learning curve learning the two catcher format, fifteen teams, five outfielders, and uh, you know really making sure you compete in every category. But I think I'm getting better every year, and hopefully you could you know challenge for one of those big prizes one year. Yeah, I don't. I'm not at any this year. Hopefully um, next year I'm going to hopefully do a in person draft. Are you in the main event or are you just in? No, uh, that would be cool one day to join that because it sounds awesome. Like yeah. especially when they go to Vegas and everything, yeah. that'd be yeah. great to go. Uh, I'll have to you know maybe win and like build some uh, like a bankroll to go. Yeah. It's, it is expensive, yeah. so to do that in one league. But yeah, you're talking one day. You're talking like $1,700 entry fee or something like that. Plus, yeah. you got you to get yourself to Vegas and put yourself up at a hotel. Probably end up doing some gambling going down to Vegas. You're looking, yeah. at, like a, you're looking at like a five grand trip there, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. But I, understand, uh, I understand the allure of going, but also of staying away. 
Uh, maybe let's transition into the uh, the trade deadline here a little bit. It's going to be coming up in the next month. Who do you think is the most likely kind of players to be moved? Who uh, Maybe we'll talk about a couple of different position players and pitchers if you have any in mind. I have a couple in mind, but I wanted to know uh, who do you think is most likely to be on the move in these next few weeks? So I wrote a few down. I got uh, Andrew Benatendi as one. Like he's, I even saw on Twitter his name got mentioned. I forgot which uh, reporter tweeted it that there there's teams getting uh, that are interested in him. You know, he, he hasn't really done much this year, but he's still a good contact hitter. He'd really help the Jays as get, adding a lefty to that lineup. I think he'll definitely be traded. And you know what? I could absolutely see the Jays uh, grabbing him just to add a lefty, like I said. Um, another one, you know, the Reds pitchers, uh, Tyler Molly and Luis Castillo, they look nice in Toronto as well to help shore up that rotation. And, you know, Mali um, has always flashed some upside and he tends to struggle at home in that band box of a park. So it makes you wonder, like, if he's able to leave Cincinnati, maybe he can really ascend even more. I have better production. And Luis Castillo has been pretty solid this year. Um, if we remember last year, he had those struggles. He was up and down. He'd walk a lot, but he looks really good so far. So I think he'd be a coveted player. Then you have uh, David Bednar, maybe, from the Pirates. He's been amazing as a reliever. Um, I could see him being traded as well. Those are for, I don't know if we'll see, like, a total huge splash. I think those types that I've listed are, like, the how big of a name I could see being traded. Am I too much of a Toronto homer if I want every one of those guys to come over here? A little bit of outfield help, help in the bullpen. We definitely need some bullpen help. I think we could use all. I think we could use all of them, really. One other guy, too, is oh, I'm blanking on it. Frankie Montes. Frankie Montes. Oh, yes, Montes. yes. I, I'm praying for the day that he gets out of Oakland. He, he and Luis Castillo, I think, would both look great in Toronto. Could use another left-handed arm, I think, in the rotation here. Uh, so I'm not sure which direction we're going to go necessarily. I, I would like to see us add a lefty. I don't know that there's too many of them really available, but... David Bednar, or lefty in terms of uh, in terms of pitching, but David Bednar really interests me as a, maybe a tandem guy with Romano or a setup guy, uh, something like that would, would would be very nice. Oh, yeah. Outside of Toronto, are there any other teams that you think off the top of your head would be looking to add some pitching? I think probably the Dodgers with losing Walker Bueller come to mind. But anybody else for you? Uh, yeah, definitely the Dodgers with with Bueller out and Kershaw with. Um injury concerns, thinking elsewhere, just off the top. Um, you know, maybe the White Sox could add someone low-key, sort of, just because Lance Lynn has been up and down coming back from injury. Lucas Giolito has been a pretty big disappointment. Disaster, yeah. Yeah, Michael Kopech has been, like, his ERA and whip look pretty solid, but he's not really getting a lot of strikeouts, and you could see, like, regression there happen and. So they might they could use another arm. Plus Johnny Cueto, how much can you really rely on him more? I think they made a mistake not keeping Carlos Rodon. So we yeah. could see them making a, a move to shore up the back end of that rotation. I, I agree there. Rodon has been I mean, he was great, and then he kind of went down a bit and now he's been great again uh, these last few starts. I don't know why they didn't try and retain him. I don't think he would have been I forget what he ended up getting on the open market, but I don't think it would have cost them too, too much to bring him back. They're just a mess. The White Sox are, are a mess. I don't know how well you know uh, Mike Carter, but we had Mike Carter on a couple weeks ago talking about the White Sox. And uh, not not a happy camper he is. He's uh, pretty, oh, yeah. pretty pretty pissed off with, with the way everything has gone there. 
Larusa, just another off the top of my head question. Do you think Larusa lasts the rest of the year as the manager, or do you think he'll get the can? I think because he's spent so long in this league and he's sort of earned the respect from some people, they'd probably, um, if they wanted to make a move, they'd wait till the end of the season just so they don't do it, you know, middle of the year. But having said that, hey, this is a team that has World Series aspirations. So if they continue to struggle, I mean, not going to be like, oh, Larusa's paid his, paid his dues and like, they, yeah. they got to do what you got to do. So, yeah, I could see it. We saw it with Joe Madden and uh, Joe Girardi, a couple of guys who you'd expect to, like, you know, blast out the rest of the year kind of thing, long-tenured baseball guys. And, I mean, the Angels were on that, like, 12-game losing streak, so I kind of understand them moving on. A little bit surprising, though, still, long-tenured guys getting fired midseason. Yeah. You don't expect to see it, but I think Larusa, if he keeps going the way he's going, uh, I think there will be a lot more people on board with that. Let's just go through maybe one or two more questions here. Um, Josiah Gray and Hunter Green are two of my favorite young guys in the league. They're both similar kind of makeup, high strikeout, high walk, lots of home runs. Obviously, Green throws like 105. Which one do you prefer going forward? Now, I know the Hunter Green has a much worse ERA, but he's actually got a lower uh, XFIP at this point on the season. Which one, yeah, this- which one do you prefer? I really like this question because, like you said, they're similar and they're, that they're young, talented pitchers with good stuff and they have home run issues. This was a really good one. Um, if you look at their numbers, like you said, Green's XFIP is a lot lower than his ERA. It's at 4.11, which is actually lower than Josiah Gray at 4.36. And what I like about Green is his strikeout-to-walk percentage is at 19%. And that's having dealt with early in the year remember when he was just walking hitters at such a high rate and despite that his k to walk is still at 19 percent, which is a really nice number which shows that he's uh started to right the ship in that regard it's just that his home run problem has really bloated his era like if you look at his starts i know his last couple he's he's struggled a bit but look at the upside he showed that seven inning one hit shutout against the d-backs with no walks and eight k's he has, an, he has a, it looks like at least five starts with seven or more strikeouts. I think he's shown a bit more of a ceiling in terms of in one game environment than Josiah Gray. Even though I like Gray, they both have good swing strike rates over 12%. I just lean a little more towards Green just because of that nasty fastball. And I think uh, long going forward, I prefer him just a bit, but it's very close. You could go either way. I think I prefer Josiah Gray, but like you said, very close. I just look at what uh, the Nationals had to give up in order to get Josiah Gray back. Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, uh, those are guys that you don't give up without getting like a surefire kind of player back. So I would probably tend to lean Gray, but Green's got the the miles per hour on him by, I think, five or six average miles on every fastball. He's throwing, he's throwing harder. I don't, I don't know. I, it's it's a toss up, like you said. Uh, I see them compared quite a bit, and I wanted to just get your take on it because uh, very close. I think you could flip a coin between these two guys. Absolutely, good comp. I like that one. So we've been talking with Frank Amarante. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate having you on here. Oh, thanks for having me. I loved coming on. It was a great discussion. Yeah, it's uh, always good. To, uh, I feel like the sports world in general is dominated by uh, Americans. So it's nice to see a couple of uh, Canadian people talking every now and again. I'm sorry if you guys uh, are not Toronto fans. We did spend a little bit of time on the Blue Jays, but 
I like I like Canadian stuff. I love to push out Canadian uh, Canadian content. Don't have too many of them, but I love uh, love finding another Canadian out there on Twitter, man. So really, really appreciate having you on today. Oh, thanks for having me, and I look forward to coming again at any time. Yeah, well, absolutely. We'll have you back on. You guys, if you're not following Frank, you should be following him on Twitter at fmarante tfj. He's a writer for the Game Day HQ. He also hosts the Fantasy Jones. Is that is that going on right now? Oh, or you guys, we're kind of in a slow period with that. Well, we released that. We, we just released one recently, a, a fantasy football related episode. But that might pick up as we get closer to the year. But you know, sometimes you know, there's some periods where you, you're not able to devote as much into other areas. But we'll see with that going forward as we get to the fantasy football season. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. You post a ton of stuff on Twitter. You guys should be following Frank for his betting stuff, for his football takes. Absolutely a must follow over there. Guys, thank you for being here with us. We'll see you again tomorrow. We'll wrap up the week on Friday. Everybody take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.